0: Good morning all, if we can start making our way to our seats, that would be great. Great to see everybody this morning looking around and I see a lot of people with sunburn and tan from yesterday at the farm I have a little one I'm extremely sore because I'm out of shape from all the cornhole I need to exercise more it was bad but we had a great day yesterday Corey's thank you so much for hosting and launching that that was a great time we really appreciate your service That was a sweet time in the Lord. It really was. God bless us with a beautiful day. So we just want to welcome you this morning to Gateway Baptist Church. We welcome all those watching us online. We're so happy you can join us to be together as family. Um, Just a little bit announcement. We've been having a lot of folks at different times visiting and coming in late and stuff. So just over the next few weeks, be aware. Sometimes we may need you to scoot in a little bit um, to keep things in the middle so we can leave some of the outer aisle seats open for those that have been coming in maybe a little late to have a place to sit. We've been very blessed to have a lot of visitors. And in that light, I just hope today, even after church, Look around the room, see if there's someone that you've never met, somebody that's new to you. Go up, introduce yourself, welcome them as family. Um, Some may be regular tenders that you have yet to meet, but we just ask you to, to do that to make everyone feel welcome this morning. Got a few announcements, just want to follow up. First off, last week I mentioned about the disaster relief event and the training that's taking place in the next few weeks. Unfortunately, the volunteer event that they were going to host on March 24th has had to be postponed till the fall. However, You can still go to Southern Baptist Disaster Relief website and all the training sessions are going to still be happening throughout the next couple weeks. In those areas we talked about last week, administration, assessing chainsaw, clearing debris, uh, the showers and also helping with the food. So the training sessions are still happening and you can look at those and find those out on the website at Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. Also want to continue to remind us about Secret Church. Uh, The simulcast with uh, David Platt on Friday, April 29th at 6 p.m. It's an awesome six hours of Bible study. I didn't get any woo-woos. Okay. (laughs) It is good. It's fun. We'll have snacks, lots of caffeine. Um, We still have room. We still have room. This is the book. Um, If you want to come, space is limited, but please register online. I do want to read this because sometimes we're just not sure what we're going to be getting into. But this is the book. It's called, uh, the, the title for this year is Who Am I? And it says, who am I? What does it mean to be human? In a world of animals and machines, what makes humanity distinct? And how do answers to these kinds of questions affect not only the way we view ourselves, but also the way we treat our neighbors and everyone else around the world? These implications are uh, wide with a variety of issues. So that we're gonna be covering sexuality and gender, race, abortion, justice, genomics, infertility, artificial intelligence, And this last one, I was surprised, but yes, the metaverse. (laughs) So David Platt's getting into a lot of different areas um, over that night. It's going to be fun. So we just ask you to uh, consider that. Also, um, we have a class for those that have been uh, attending regularly. And if you're interested in Gateway's DNA, um, it's called Discover Gateway. And so this year, uh, this week, we're going to have one um, a little different. It's going to be Saturday night, uh, March 26th, this Saturday at 4 p.m., Dinner is provided, registration is required, so they know how much to cook. It's still going to be at Grady and Julia's house, but it, where it's normally on a Sunday afternoon after church, this specific weekend, it's going to be this Saturday night, March 26th at 4, and there is some room available just to get to know about Gateway, who we are, how we function, our vision, etc. cetera. And lastly, today is a great day, we're so excited. Today is Deacon Election Day, and so uh, an email was sent out a couple of weeks ago to our members, you got something like this, and if you did not receive this or didn't see the email, we encourage you, um, they're in the office if you need to read it before you actually cast a ballot. But the ballots look like this, and they're at this door, and they're out here in the hallway as you're heading out near the other box. And so the ballots are available for you to, um, to elect our deacons, and it does require a signature, and for you to print your name at the bottom of the ballot for it to be valid. So we're very excited about what God's doing in our deacon ministry and for the elections today. So if you please stand, gonna read some scripture over us as we prepare our hearts to worship the Lord through song. Just wanna encourage us with the gospel this morning. Ephesians chapter one, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ
1: Christ lives, Christ lives. My hope is only I hope my shepherd will defend me. Through the deep, this valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shine. bled and suffered for my pardon and he was raised said that he will bring me home day by day I know he will renew me until I said with joy We got a mission update.
2: Spots. Now um, he is no world and he stopped to go to school. He enjoys his role. So we are doing well. Chris Church is very uh, fine. Um, the seven churches that we plant in the mountains, they continue to grow. We continue to see more people coming in this church. We continue to see new believers. Um, company on Jesus Christ, and we continue to uh, witness the Lord of Jesus everywhere we go. Here in the downtown of Joppa or in the mountains of Joppa or Haiti, everywhere we go we continue to witness uh, the Lord of Jesus. We continue to preach the gospel. We continue to show love to people, to give hope to people, uh, even if we are going through a very hard situation here in Haiti, that's already seven months. We do not have president after they came our president. And we have a lot of kidnapping, we have a lot of shooting, a lot of bad time. But we continue to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus. We continue to focus on our mission. That's uh, for example, we are planning uh to spend two things in the mountains uh in a mission um, in April eleventh to 17th. Please pray for us for that. Uh, we want to send it in Church of Gaia, and we want to send also in the, in the church of Tessel so that we can continue to uh, strengthen uh, this universe there, continue to uh, teach them the word of God, and then we want to continue to seek a new soul for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we would like you to train us in the prayer for the two teams that will go in the mission trips in the mountains in April 11th. We also uh, want to go in a facility team in a village, another village, uh, the first week of November, to start in the church. Because there are a lot of places in Haiti where the gospel is not preached yet. A lot of places that did do not know too much about Jesus Christ. There is no church. Everywhere we go in the market to many churches, uh, they are villages that has no church. And we we'll see that a lot of villages in Haiti that has no church. So that's why we are coming in uh, Christmas church to bring the gospel there. So as I told you this year, we want to do two uh, two trips. Um, The first one in airports and two teams in two different villages. And in November, we want to see a new new church started. We continue also to strengthen the families. On Sunday, uh, February uh, 13th, uh, I mean, last February, last Sunday, we brought uh, 50 married couples um, in a hotel for a date night. Uh, so we would give the husband and the wife time to talk together, to enjoy food, to enjoy music. Um, and we had a pastor come and Talked to them about how to have a better life in a marriage. It was a good time. And we thank Gateway uh, because you guys gave us money for that. You continue to help us in many ways. And the staff of was asked me to thank you for funding uh, that good event that we did uh, on February 13th. So, uh, we love you so much. We continue to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We hope that you are doing well too. We continue to pray for you. We know that you are praying for us. We continue to pray for you too. We love you so much. We appreciate your prayer. And uh, when you help us to do something like distributing food, we continue to distribute food. Um, to share food uh, with the native people, those who can't afford to buy food, we spend. When uh, people lose hope, the church, Christmas, is always like right their sign to plant uh, them. So, without you, thank you so much, and we will see you again. God bless you all.
3: you as we as we pray each week or as the person up here prays that that actually you are praying as well and so let's go to prayer together and, and agree with me as as i pray lord we are just reminded as we look around us uh, in the world lord I, I think of particularly looking over at the events in in ukraine lord what a what a delicate uh, world that we live in lord where we never know what a day may bring and lord we just look at global pandemics and Lord, wars that have implications globally, Lord, and we know that there is one who is sovereign, is in control. And, Lord, we also know that Lord, there is power in praise, Lord, as we come before your throne, no matter what's going on. I just want to read this from Psalm 146 uh, this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes. And mortal man in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the stranger. He supports the fatherless and the widows, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. And Lord, we do praise you this morning. Lord, we exalt you. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ the name that is above every name, the name that at one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And we gather today for that very purpose, to exalt the name of Christ. And Lord, as we gather, we want to bring some needs from our church before you. God, we just want to lift up the marriages in our church, Lord. Uh, And we know that this this is an area where the enemy schemes. Lord, we know that marriage is a battlefield. Lord, it's a place of great joy, but a place of great challenge. And, Lord, we pray right now for marriages that they would be built on Christ, that they would be built for the purpose of demonstrating the gospel, Lord, grace upon grace, uh, giving preference to one another in love. Lord, we know that uh, because uh, the gospel is so clearly seen in a godly marriage, Lord, that the enemy does not want that to happen. So we pray, Lord, for the marriages in this church. Lord, that you would that there would be peace in those marriages, Lord, that they would be thriving. Um, Lord, we need you to do that. Uh, Lord, we know that marriage is is hard and difficult because we are broken, Lord. But we call upon you, Lord, for the marriages in our church. Lord, we want to lift up Seth and Megan, uh, Rhoda Beck, and just thank you for their service, Lord, in the Hopes Ministry, Lord, and the Capitol Heights community, and all those who come alongside them to help, Lord. And Lord, we. We pray for this ministry, Lord, that you would continue to minister to the families of the Capitol Heights students, Lord, to the faculty and staff there at Capitol Heights. Lord, that you would do a work, Lord, in that that, uh, part of uh, West Montgomery. And Lord, just open our hearts more and more, Lord, to the needs there. Um, Lord, we pray for Pastor Taman Knight at Heritage Baptist Church. Lord, we thank you for our our, our brothers and sisters in Christ across Montgomery. We pray particularly for this pastor, God, just that you would encourage him as he leads this church, Lord, that you'd surround him with godly leaders, Lord, that there would be the fruit of the gospel in this place, Lord, that people would be coming to Christ, Lord, and growing in their faith. And, Lord, we also thank you for, for Taylor Taylor and Sarah Fox, Lord, and their ministry in Strasbourg, France. Lord, we thank you for their faithfulness, Lord in what has, can only be described as a dark period uh, in France, Lord, uh, with the pandemic or just with the spiritual darkness there. I pray you would encourage Taylor and Sarah, Lord, that they would remain strong in their faith. Lord, that whether the numbers are small or big, Lord, that they would be finding those people who want to, to love and grow in the Lord and they'd be building them up in their faith, Lord. Thank you for their hearts to serve there. And, Lord, we do pray for, particularly for missionaries that are in Vienna, Austria, Austria right now, Lord, who are beginning a Bible study uh, this month. And, and Lord, their hearts desire us to see people come to faith in Christ. And, Lord, I pray that you would call people to come to this Bible study. And, Lord, there would be new uh, believers as a result. And, Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness to our body here, Lord, in every way. Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of the people here to be good stewards of what you've blessed us with, Lord, we pray we would continue to be cheerful givers in all things, Lord, and that we would use what you bless us with, Lord, for for your kingdom work. Lord, we thank you for Grady, Lord, for his heart, for this body. We thank you for the gift of teaching you've given him as he comes week in and week out, Lord, to, to share your word. And as the word is preached today, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear most importantly, Lord, we would have hearts to believe and receive and walk out of uh, what you give to us today. We're just so grateful. We praise your name and we exalt the name of Jesus Christ and it's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And boys and girls,
4: first to fourth grade here at Dismissed to Kids worships, first to fourth graders. And the boys and girls are headed out there with... Pastor CJ, let me just echo what CJ said earlier about our deacon elections. This is election day for us, so for our members, ballots are available in the back table there in the hallway outside the restrooms near the church office. And so for members, before you leave, would you complete one of those ballots? You can drop it in the offering box in the back of the room. There, there's also a deacon election ballot box on the table in the entryway out there near the office. And so if you drop it in there, as soon as the service is over, we'd appreciate your attention to that. We're excited about how the Lord has been leading us and look forward to these next steps as we elect these, these five men as deacons at Gateway. Why don't you find 2 Timothy chapter 3 in your copy of God's Word this morning? 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've been on a journey for more than a year now in this study we're calling Rooted, seeking to be more grounded in what we believe and in knowing the scriptures. Now, if you think of what we've seen over the last year, we've covered a lot of territory so far. We've looked at the nature of God and who he is, we've looked at our purpose, our mission in life to live for the glory of God. we spent a long while looking at the law of god god 's will, His standard, what He requires. We looked at our struggle with sin and idolatry and rebellion, the hopeless state we 're in we 've seen our their only hope is in having a redeemer who will buy us back and redeem us. We looked a lot at Jesus as our redeemer and what that means to be redeemed by Christ, the very things we 've been singing about this morning. We've looked at what faith is. We've just looked at the Christian journey in depth, the beginning of the journey, justification. We've looked at the process of the Christian life, what we call sanctification. We've looked at the culmination of the journey, what we call glorification. We've seen the role of the Holy Spirit in all of that and giving us faith and sustaining us faith and guiding us and directing our paths and encouraging us. And we've seen most recently about prayer and God's invitation to us to pour out our hearts to him in prayer and in conversations with him and what he, the type things he's told us to pray about as we seek his will in our lives and in the lives of others. Now, there's only a few more topics left and rooted. It's going to take us three more months to cover those topics, but we're in the home stretch now of these last three months of our study. The next topic we come to this morning is the topic of the word of God, the scripture, the Bible, the very thing we're seeking to be rooted in. We get to now explore more in depth. Now, We're using a catechism, a series of questions and answers to guide us through this study. And unfortunately, the New City Catechism only has one question about the Bible and Scripture. And we're going to come to that question next week. The question for next week is, how is the Word of God to be read and how is it to be heard? Now that is a great question for us, but I feel like there's something we need to look at together before we get to that question. If we want to know how we're to read and hear, we first need to ask the question this morning, what is it? So our question for today is, what is the Word of God? So if you're following along the catechism, you will not find this question in here. No, we're going to just adding it in because I believe it's so foundational. If we want to be united as a church in what we believe, we need to to study together what is the Word of God. Now to find the answer, we're going to look to Scripture itself to tell us what it is. And perhaps the clearest statement anywhere in the Bible about the nature of the Bible is here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, 2 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote while he was in prison in Rome. This was near the end of Paul's life. So we're looking around 65 AD. And Paul is writing to a young man named Timothy, one of the leaders in the early church. And he challenges Timothy throughout this letter to remain faithful and persevering in following God and in serving the churches even when life is hard, even in the midst of great hardship. And so here in chapter 3, there's a longer section than even what we're looking at this morning here. But Paul reminds Timothy of the necessity of the Scripture The Bible in his life. And in so doing this, he gives us perhaps one of the clearest statements in Scripture of what is the Word of God. So be looking for the answer as we read. We're going to focus on verses 15 to 17 this morning, but so for some context, so we can see kind of the flow thought, we're going to start back in verses 14 this morning. So we're going to read verses 14 to 17 in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So I'm going to ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God this morning. So starting in verse 14. But as for you, Father, what an incredible truth we get to look at this morning, your grace gift of your revelation to us. And Lord, for many of us, we've grown up with Bibles in our hands and in our homes. We've grown up hearing it. We've grown up talking about what the Bible is. Lord, I pray the familiarity of this topic would not cause us to lose the wonder and the awe of the fact that you, the holy God, the creator of all, have spoken to us and put it in writing before us. Lord, I pray in my heart and the heart of these precious brothers and sisters that you would stir in our hearts a sense of awe and wonder at what you have given us to us in the word, that we might treasure it more and long for it more, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So what is the word of God? Now this is a big, big question. There's entire books written on this, and there's entire volumes of multiple books that address this question. There's big sections of theology works on this, and we could spend weeks and months talking about what is the word of God. But this morning as we tackle this in one week, I want us to answer, ask four questions to help us answer the question, what is the Word of God? So let's look at four questions kind of guide us through this very deep and important topic of knowing what the Word of God is. So let's start with the first question, very fundamentally, what do we mean when we say the Word of God? As we talk about it in the church, what do we mean when we talk about the Word of God? Now, we use several terms interchangeably in talking about the Word of God, and Scripture itself does as well. In fact, in this passage that we just read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, there are two different terms that are used to describe the Word of God, the Scriptures. Go back to verse 15 that we just looked at this morning, and notice how it begins in verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred... Writings. So here's a term that Paul uses to describe the scripture. He calls it the sacred writings. Now, this word writings is the Greek word grammar. Yes, that's where we get the English word grammar from. So boys and girls who are in school, you think about grammar, your grammar lessons of language, that's what we're talking about here. As you have flashbacks to your own childhood and all those grammar rules that we forget about as we become adults there, that's where we get this word from. This is the sacred grammar, the sacred writings. This is dealing with the written word of God, God's revelation that in His sovereign plan He put down in writing for us to be able to read for ourselves. So when we're talking about the Word of God, we're talking about the sacred writings, the written Word of God. Now, Paul reinforces that in verse 16, but he changes words to do that. Go to verse 16 now. Notice it says, All scripture. So he's changed words on us now. Now this is the Greek word graphe. This is another Greek word for writing. So we have two words here to describe the sacred writings, the sacred scriptures. This is the word of God. It's the written record of God's revelation for us. But notice an important word that Paul uses right before the word scripture. How much of scripture has God given to us? All. All of it. Yeah, he's given us all scripture. Now what is included Well, clearly this includes the Old Testament. It was already established and being read by the Jewish people at the time Paul would be writing this. But this also includes what we would call the New Testament today. This would include the Gospels, this would include Paul's writings, Peter's writings, other writings like from James and others. So how do we know that Paul really had in mind what we call the New Testament today when the New Testament hadn't been canonized and put together as we know it now at this point. Well, again, there's entire books on that, but I want you to see three passages briefly this morning to encourage you. If, what, if the, the, all the New Testament is in view here as well, that what we have is God's sovereign revelation for us. Look at First Timothy chapter five, verse eighteen. If we go back a book here, and there's something really significant in this. It says, "For the Scripture says." Now, this is the Scripture here is the same word we looked at a minute ago. This is the word graphe, the writings. For the writings, these holy writings, it says, it says something here. It says, first you shall not muzzle ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Now, what's so significant about this? Well, the first quote there, the Scripture says, this comes from Deuteronomy. And so this would be what, again, the Jewish people would have recognized as Scripture, that this is looking to the Old Testament and to the Pentateuch, and this is part of the writings that are considered Scripture. But notice he has a second quote. This is from Luke chapter 10. And so here, side by side, you have words from Moses and words from Jesus and quoted in Luke who are put side by side as Scripture as these sacred writings, these holy writings from God. The Old Testament and New Testament are held up together as being Scripture. You see something similar in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. As Paul writes to the people of Thessalonica, he says, "...we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God." And so even Paul had a sense that his teachings that God had given him were part of Scripture. It was God's revelation for the church. But one more text I want you to see to encourage you. And this is 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And friends, this is a verse, as an aside, that gives me a lot of hope as I study Scripture. hope it will give you hope as well. But he says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. This is your beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Now, verse 16, notice what Peter says about Paul's writings as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Just pause right there and let that give you hope. Here you have Peter, who God used to write some of our New Testament, who's saying, you know, there's things that I'm having trouble understanding in Paul's writings. And so let it give you hope when you get to passages and you kind of scratch your head going, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, Peter struggled with some of Paul's writings also. But notice this for our point today, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other What? The yeah, other scriptures, that even here, that Peter is recognizing that Paul's writings were part of scripture. That God and his providence put together what we have as the Bible today, Old Testament and New Testament, so we know his revelation. So our first question, what do we mean by the word of God? Friends, we are talking about God and his grace giving us these 66 books of the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, the history, the letters, the poetry, the prophecy, the wisdom literature, all of it. The parts in Greek, the parts in Hebrew, even the things spoken in Aramaic. Genesis to Revelation is all the Word of God. It's His grace gift to us, His written revelation to us. At least our second question for the morning What is the nature of the Word of God? If the Word of God is everything we have, Genesis to Revelation, and it's His grace gift to us, what is the nature of what He has given to us in? The Bible. There's two key words in our text this morning. Go back to verse number 15 here and notice how it's described. Now, how from childhood, Paul's telling Timothy, you've been acquainted with the, not just the writings, but what type of writings? Sacred writings here. The word sacred is a word similar to holy. These are, words, these are words that are set apart. They're different than other words, which is exactly how Paul describes in the beginning of his book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, 1 and 2, he says something similar for us. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, remember this is the normal way they started letters back then, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the, what type of scriptures? The holy scriptures. So the Bible in its entirety is holy, it is sacred, it is set apart, it's different than all other writings. That means there's something very unique about what we read when we start in Genesis 1 and we go all the way to the end of revelation. Now what makes it sacred? What makes these words that we're reading before us set apart different, holy and sacred? Well, Paul tells us back in verse 16, which is again one of the most profound statements about the nature, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Bible. He says, "All scripture is breathed out by God." Now, don't pass over that word breathed out. It is a massively significant word in scripture here. Just Historically, this word has never appeared in any literature prior to this point. Scholars think Paul invented this word in seeking to attempt to describe the Bible. Now, after this, other people start picking up on it and using it. But this is the first time anywhere in history this word that we translate breathed out appears. Paul takes two words and mashes them into make one new word. He takes the word for theos, God. And he takes the word for neustos, or breath. Literally, it says God breath. Now, some of your translations say that all the scripture is inspired and they're trying to capture What Paul said here, but it's literally, the most literally is how we're reading it today. It is breathed out by God. Scripture is literally the breath of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's telling us the source of the scriptures. Friends, when you talk, you breathe out. When you're talking to someone right in front, you can almost hear, feel their air coming out of their mouth. It's your breath that comes out with your voice. It's telling us that the breath of God is the speech of God here for us, that God Himself has spoken. That God Himself, who is holy and set apart Himself, has spoken and given us His holy revelation to us. This is what He has chosen in His kindness to us to reveal. This is what Peter describes as well. Second Peter chapter one verse twenty-one: For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God. God's a source; they're just speaking from Him as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That God was at work, and yes, he used a variety of authors in Scripture, but it was ultimately his word, his revelation, his will, what he wanted us to know, and he just used a variety of different men here to write down for us and record for us what God wanted us to know. I love how the British theologian John Stott describes it. He says, Scripture originated in God's mind and was communicated from God's mouth by God's breath, by God's Spirit. It is therefore rightly termed The word of God, because God spoke it. Indeed, as the prophets used to say, the mouth of the Lord has spoken it, friends. So what is the scriptures? What is the word of God? It's his grace gift of his revelation to us. All of it, Genesis to Revelation. What is its nature? It's holy, it's sacred, it is set apart. It's different than anything else because it's the very breath of God. It's the very words of God that he has given to us. At least our third question this morning, what is the purpose of the word of God? What is the purpose of the Scriptures of the Bible? Well, it has a purpose for non-believers and it has a purpose for believers. Let's start with a purpose for non-believers, and that is to point them to Christ, to show them the only way of salvation. Look at verse 15 this morning, what Paul reminds Timothy of, even his own journey. How from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is one of the functions of the sacred writings of Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, in Christ Jesus, the Scriptures point us to the path of salvation. You know, scientists can study different things and figure out the orbit of planets, and they can study things and figure out the structure of the Earth. But friends, the path of salvation cannot be discovered by any empirical research. We are completely dependent upon the self-revelation of God of how we can belong to Him. So, for non-believers, the Scripture is showing us the wise path of salvation, the only way to find Christ. First Peter chapter one picks up this theme as well and reminds us of something um, similar. So since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through. So where did your faith come from? Through the living and abiding what? Word. Word of God. The living and abiding Word of God, the Scriptures, is what God uses to bring us to salvation. The reason, if you are a follower of Christ today, is because somewhere along the way, someone pointed you to the Scriptures, showed you the nature of God, showed you your sin, showed you your need for a Savior, and you followed the path that is laid out in Scripture of following God. Christ, friends. But the purpose of Scripture is not limited just to bringing us to salvation. It has a major purpose in our lives as followers of Christ as well. And look at verse 16, where Paul lays out for us, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. Now, just stop right there. That's where profitable means useful, that God has a purpose, a useful purpose in giving us in His grace Genesis 2 Revelation. And keep in mind here, we're in a culture that kind of values the New Testament kind of Push aside the Old Testament, all of it is God's revelation. So all of it, Old Testament as well, has a purpose in our lives as followers of Christ. Now, what is that purpose? What follows are four different phrases here. It's easy for us to quickly pass over this. okay, God's word is important for teaching, reproof, correction, and training, in righteousness. And we kind of move on. But we miss kind of the wonder of what Paul's doing here. Paul is using a particular type of poetry here called a chiasm or a chiastic writing where you have an A, B, B, A. Again, if you think back to your grammar and your poetry days, it's the type of poem he's doing here. He's got four things in parallel. The first two teach one truth, and the second two teach one truth. So you have a positive and negative that teach one idea of the purpose of Scripture, and then you have a negative and a positive, to keep it in parallel, that teaches a second truth. So you have this kind of beautiful poetic way of describing two purposes of Scripture for us as followers of Christ as well. The first one of those two is the Scripture's purpose for us is to show us what to believe about God. As followers of Christ, the Scripture shows us what to believe about God. Those are the first two words you see here in these this lengthy phrases in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is proper for teaching and for reproof. Teaching, reproof. These are two words that show us that Scripture helps us know what to believe about God. The word teaching is a term that's often in Paul's writings associated with Doctrine. Now, a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth when we start talking about doctrine and beliefs. But when Paul talks about teaching, he's talking about doctrine, passing on a certain set of truths to other people. So the scripture has a role to teach us doctrine, to instruct us in what to believe, particularly about the nature of God. Because it's God's breath, it's God's self-revelation. And let me remind us again what I said a minute ago. All of scripture has a role in teaching us about the nature of God. There's not a different God in the Old Testament from the New Testament. God didn't change between the Old Testament and New Testament. God is unchanging and he's always the same. So the Old Testament and New Testament alike are needed as followers of Christ to show us what to believe about God. And we forget that, I love what Jesus did in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. This is one of his post-resurrection appearances. And he's walking along the road and his disciples are walking along. They don't realize it's Christ yet. And as they're walking along, it says, in Jesus beginning with Moses and the prophets, talking about the Old Testament, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so as he's walking along, he's not starting with some new revelation with these disciples after his resurrection. He's taking them all the way back to the Old Testament and showing them how all the story of Scripture from Genesis till then had been pointing to him. It was all the revelation of God. And so, friends, we look to Scripture to see what to believe. About God. Friends, that has a very practical application for us as we do our personal reading of Scripture and our study. When we go to the Bible, we need to be going to the Bible, not primarily going, where am I in this text? Not primarily going to the Bible, going, how does this apply to me today? We need to go to the Bible with the first question being, where do I see God and what do I learn about God here? And everything else will then flow from that. So, God, in His grace, has given us all the Scripture to form and shape our knowledge of God. And, friends, let me just remind us, He gives us this knowledge. Not just for intellectual sakes, so we can check the boxes, I believe that God is all-knowing. all you know, Not just for that, he does it so we can know him personally. He's revealing himself to us so we can have a relationship with him for who he really is. Not a God of our own imagination, or who we wanted to be, but he shows himself to us so we can have a real relationship with him for who he really is. But there's a second aspect of how the scripture is profitable for us in shaping our beliefs about God. Remember, there's a positive and a negative So there's the teaching part, but notice the next word here in verse 16 is not only profitable for teaching, it's also profitable for reproof. Now, reproof here is a word for showing fault or refuting error. Now, this one doesn't make us feel as good, but we need it, right? This means that God uses the Bible to correct us when we're thinking wrongly about God and his world. When our thinking is in error, the scriptures God uses to instruct us back to right beliefs about him. Friends, the more we study scripture, the more it will correct our wrong thinking. So the word of God guides our beliefs so that we can know God. It does so as it teaches us, and it does so as it reproofs us where we have been thinking incorrectly, friends. And that is a great reminder for us because none of us have arrived. I'm not perfect in all my theology, neither are you, We are all on a journey together as we seek to study the word of God, to know God for who he is. And we are all in a journey. We've not arrived yet. So we need much grace and much humility as we talk theology, but also we seek to know God for who he's revealed himself to be. So we run back to scripture to teach us and to reproof us as well. So that's the first purpose of scripture for the life of a believer, to show us what to believe about God. But there's two more phrases that follow, and these are in parallel together, one positive, one negative. And so the second purpose of Scripture these next two phrases show is it's to show us God's will for our lives. It's to show us God's will for our lives. So if the first two are about our beliefs. The second two are about our conduct. You might call it creed and conduct or beliefs and behavior. But this is showing us how God wants us as his followers to live. So notice how, again, these next two, after teaching or proofing, the next two are for correction and for training and righteousness. Now, because he was using this kind of parallel structure, let's start with the last one, the positive one. The scripture has a purpose for training us in righteousness. The word here for training is a word that was used in Greek culture to talk about how parents cultivate right behavior in their children. So if you think about what your parents did well to cultivate right behavior and instruct you, that's the word that Paul pulls from here. That God uses the Bible to teach us the right way to go, to train us in what God would have us to do. It's His revelation of His will for our lives. He's not left us in the dark. He's not left us going, "Okay, you're redeemed. You're not going to go to hell. You're with me now. Go figure out how to live." Instead, He said, "Here is the path for you. Here's what I want you to do. And here's what I want you not to do. This is my good will for you." But just like in our beliefs, friends, none of us have arrived. We all struggle still with the battle with sin, and we often go astray. So God's word has a corrective function here as well, and that's the previous word for correction. This comes from a Greek word meaning to make straight. So when we err off the path that God has called us to walk down, God uses the Bible as the Holy Spirit applies it to us and gives conviction to bring us back to that straight path that God has For us To bring us back to him when we err. We might think of this as discipline. What Hebrews describes as God disciplining those he loves. And so let's bring those four things together. Teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. So what is the primary use of scripture? It shapes our beliefs and it shapes our conduct. It shapes our beliefs so we know who God really is. It teaches us, it reproves us. And it shapes our conduct so we know how to live for him. It trains us and it corrects us. I love how again how John Stott said it. He said, Do we hope in our lives to overcome error and grow in truth? To overcome evil and grow in holiness? Then it's a scripture that we must primarily turn, for scripture is profitable for these things. So so far we've seen what is the word of God? His grace gift to us, of Genesis to revelation, his revelation of his words for us. What is its nature? It's holy, it's sacred, it's set apart because it's his very words. And what's its purpose? For non-believers, it's to point them to Christ. For believers, it's to shape our beliefs and conduct so we can know God and know how he wants us to live. Now, let's fourth question, what is the result of God's word in our lives? As we as believers put ourselves under the word of God and study the word of God, what does it accomplish in our life? Well, that's verse 17 of our text this morning. After he tells us that scripture is profitable for these things, for teaching, reproof, correction, training, he says, verse 17, so that... Here is the result that comes when we submit ourselves to Scripture. It says, so that the man of God, now this phrase of God means belonging, possession. This is describing the man or the woman, the person who belongs to God. That if you are in Christ and you've been redeemed by him, this is you. That God has this purpose, this goal in view of giving the Scripture to you so that you may be complete and equipped for every good work. Complete and equipped. Now, these are synonyms in the Greek. It just means being able to do something. That God has equipped us. He's given us a strength to do something for him. Scripture works in our lives. It strengthens us. It completes us. It equips us to do something. And what does it equip us to do? Notice that last phrase, every good work. So what is every good work? Every good work. Anything that pleases God, anything consistent with his will as revealed in scripture, is how we love God and how we love others. This is what Jesus summarized for us in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. When he was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all the commands, all these things that tell us God's will, what's the greatest of these? And the question was asked, teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, in other words, your whole self. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like, you shall love your neighbor As yourself, friends, that is every good work for us. That God has given us His Word, so that it does those things in our life, teaching, reproving, correcting, and training, so that we're matured, we're complete, we're equipped to love God and to love others. Let's try to bring all that back together. Our question this morning is: What is the Word of God? And here's the, the main idea from these verses: I want you to see, the Word of God or the Bible is God's grace gift to us of His very words, so that we can know who He is. And how to live for him. That the Bible is God's grace gift to us, friends. This is a treasure that we have been entrusted with. That God in his love and his grace and his kindness has given us in writing his revelation of who he is. So that we can know him, his character, his attributes, his nature. Not again for information's sake, but so that we can have a real relationship with him. But also so we can know his will, to know what it looks like to live for him, to love him, and to love others. It's God's grace gift to us of his very words. So we know him and know how to live for him. I want to add one final question this morning. That's what do we do with this truth? again, there's tons of books you can read if you want to think more about this. But what what does this mean for us as a church? And what does this mean for you and I personally? So I was studying this week. I came across an author who said something that made me kind of pause and think. He said this, the creator of the universe has breathed out a book. A book. We can read the mind of God Revealed in this book. We have access to knowledge that is unshakably true and infinitely valuable. We have access to knowledge that is unshakably true and infinitely valuable. Then he asks this question. This is a soul-piercing question. It says, do you treasure, love, read, meditate, memorize and study this book in accord with its infinite worth? Do you treasure, love, love, Read, meditate, memorize, and study this book in accord with its infinite worth. Friends, the reality is most of us in this room would affirm, oh yeah, the Bible is true, oh yeah, the Bible is the word of God. We can give you the right answer, right? We talk about that as being our confessional theology. We can say, oh yeah, I believe the Bible is the words of God. Yes, I believe it's completely true. Then we talk something about what we call our functional theology, what we actually believe based on how we live. So friends, if we think about that, we may be able to give the right answer. Oh yeah, I believe the Bible's profitable for teaching me and correcting me and training me and reproving me. We may say, oh, I believe it's God's very words. We may confess that, friends, but functionally, what do our lives show? Do we treasure, love, read, meditate, memorize, and study this book in accordance with its infinite worth? So the question for us this morning is do we have a longing to know the word of God? Friends, do we treasure the word of God. And if we reflect on the week, this past week that we've walked through, have we given priority in our lives to reading the word of God, to thinking about the word of God, to meditating on the word of God, to discussing the word of God with one another and even ourselves thinking about it because we know it is unshakably true and infinitely valuable. And friends, if there's areas where we realize, you know, we're not giving priority to the word of God, we're not functionally living out what confessionally we say is true, friends, what do we do? We go back to what we talked about the last three weeks. We pray. We ask the Holy Spirit to create in our hearts longings for the word of God, not to read it each day so we can check off a box or do it for someone else, but to read it because we want to treasure God's words, because we want to hear from him, because we want to know him and we want to know his path for our life. So we ask the Holy Spirit to stir in our hearts a greater longing for the word of God. And for those of you I know well who, have, who treasure the word of God and who read it and delight in it, what do you do with this? You praise God for his grace that he gave you that desire. Friends, in our flesh, we're not going to treasure the word of God. In our flesh, we're not going to prioritize it. But when we find ourselves longing for it, it's simply because in his grace, the Holy Spirit is stirring our affections. And so when you find yourself longing for it and growing in it, praise God for his grace. Ask him for more. But friends, don't miss this. God has put you in a community of other people to encourage, to use you to encourage others in this. For many who struggle with reading the word of God, it helps to have accountability helps to have friends who come alongside and are praying for you. And so friends, if you're one that God has given that heart for to delight in the Word of God, start asking God, who, can you, who do you want me to speak to and encourage in this as well? And let's work together as a church, not just say we value the Word of God, but to live it out in practice as well. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, that's, we say that all the time, but Lord. You've given us so much grace. You've redeemed us when we were lost in our sin. You pursued us when we were not pursuing you. You turned our hearts to you when we were far from you. And yet, Lord, you didn't stop there. You've given us your revelation. You've revealed yourself to us that we might know you, not just know about you, but know you in a real way. You've given us your revelation that we wouldn't have to wonder what you want us to do tomorrow, how to walk out life this week. You've made it so clear for us. Lord, you've given this to us, and yet, Lord, we confess our minds are often so distracted. There's so many things we run to and treasure before we treasure your word. So, Lord, in my heart and the heart of these precious brothers and sisters, would you this week increase our love for your word? Not just to do it because we're supposed to do it, but to read it, God, because we want to hear your breath. We want to hear your very words that you have given to us. So, Lord, in our lives personally, in our families, Lord, in us as a church, would you take us deeper, God, deeper by your grace in treasuring your word and loving your word and talking about your word and watching how it matures us and equips us individually and corporately to be the people you've called us to be. God, we can't manufacture those desires. We can't just do a checklist and get there. God, we need your grace. We need your Holy Spirit filling each one of us each day, turning our heart affections to you, turning our hearts to want to study your word. So God, would you do that this week? Would you do that? We know we will find great joy. Lord, we know you will get the glory because it'll transform our lives in ways that can only be explained by your supernatural power. So God, we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song and think about our hope in Christ? Take just a minute now and prayer to the Lord just individually. What you've just sung has been a prayer. Be our delights; let our soul be satisfied. Would you take a minute now and just in words now, pray back what you've just sung to the Lord together. Father, thank you that you hear the prayers of your people when we sing them as a song together, when we pray them individually, Lord, you hear everyone. Think you that you're all knowing and all seeing, all hearing. And Lord, you are ready to respond to the prayers of your people. So Lord, this week, would you do what we just ask you to do? Would you increase our delight in you? Would you increase our satisfaction in you? Would you increase our longings to know you? And Lord, as we pray that, we can't help but also be praying, Lord, increase our longings to know you and your word, to read it, to delight in it, to treasure it, let it shape us and mold us to make us mature and complete who you desire for us to be. Oh Lord, have your way in us this week, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Don't forget to drop off your deacon ballot.
5: You guys